Hey, everybody, welcome to Transform Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Zeller. The purpose of this podcast is to distill the process of transformation, making it super easy and giving you tangible tools so that you can start transforming your life even while listening. If this is your first time here, you have joined us for a bit of a dense episode. In fact, this episode is so dense that I have decided to preface it with some quick little definitions. I, in general, prefer to teach and learn through deduction. So I like to give kind of a bird's eye view, a groundwork, a lay of the land, if you will, of what we're going to cover. And then I like to break things down. That's how I personally like to learn. But this episode is kind of structured in a little bit more of an induction way, where I'm kind of building upon several different concepts. So for those of you that prefer to learn by deduction, I just wanted to give a brief, some brief definitions here in the introduction. And I think that that may, may help some of you that prefer to learn in that format. I also just want to say that, you know, in order to do justice to the idea of money, I had to include a lot of background and science on where the root of our money stories really comes from. And so I really had to get into the weeds here to just even set it up. And for a lot of you, I think this will be a real paradigm shift in terms of how you think about money, which is great. I mean, when I started thinking about money in the way that I'm going to lay it all out for you guys here, that's really when I started drastically changing and up-leveling my money stories. And I was able to liberate myself from a lot of the things that had held me back in terms of making money, keeping money, all of that kind of thing. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. I also want to say that in a couple of spots in this episode, I talk about different therapeutic modalities within the construct of therapy. So I want to give a disclaimer here. I'm not a therapist. And this is just my personal opinion and for informational purposes. You know, take what resonates here and leave the rest. And if something triggers you, I would look at that. I would look at why something is triggering you. I'm certainly not intending to trigger anybody. But especially when it comes to different types of therapy, what I talk about in this episode is just what I've seen in my own life and the life of my friends, family, and clients. And, you know, go with what works for you, right? I'm certainly not trying to dissuade anybody from seeking specific types of therapy, especially if you feel like it's working for you. But I do really feel strongly that there are more powerful modalities of therapy and I feel strongly about sharing those powerful modalities, the powerful modalities of therapy that I personally think pack the most punch are, and I'm going to share these with you right now, because in the episode, I use some acronyms. And so I thought I would tell you the acronyms and what the acronyms stand for right here in the introduction, one of which is IFS, that, that stands for internal family system. So if you find a therapist that uses IFS, that's great. Another one is EMDR. EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And then there is, I mentioned kind of briefly NLP. NLP stands for neuro-linguistic programming. You're more likely going to find like hypnotherapists and coaches that use NLP. There's also hypnotherapy. And then there is CBT. And I go into CBT in the episode and what I do and don't like CBT for, 
And CBT stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. I also mentioned in the episode epigenetics. Epigenetics is essentially just behaviors and the way that you do things that actually can be passed down genetically. And then the real thing that I wanted to lay out here in the introduction is, first of all, the difference between the subconscious and the conscious mind. The conscious mind you can think of as kind of, well, let me put it like this. If you're looking at a computer and you're looking at the computer screen, you know that more exists within that computer besides what you just see on the screen. You know that there is a processor and there's programs and all sorts of things are happening behind the scenes, right? That is kind of what the conscious versus the subconscious mind is. So the conscious mind is what you can see on the screen, on the computer screen. The way you can think of it in yourself is the conscious mind is like your working memory. So it's what you can hold in your mind at any given time. But you know that there's a lot of processes happening behind the screen, behind what you can just think about in the moment. And that's the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind holds all of the programs, i.e. all of your behaviors, your experiences, the way that you see the world, your perspectives. Now, it's said that 95% of your thoughts, behaviors, actions, and feelings stem from the subconscious mind. So we like to think that we are consciously making decisions all of the time, that we are consciously aware of everything that's happening, and we are consciously choosing what to do, how to feel, how to act, how to behave, etc. But what's actually happening is that that is often driven automatically by the subconscious mind. So I really go into the conscious versus the subconscious mind in this episode. And then what I go into even more is brain waves. And that's because our learning occurs differently with different brain waves. So what are brain waves? Brain waves are electrical impulses in the brain that is communicated between nerves or neurons. So your brain is actually an electrochemical organ that houses nerves and sends these electrical impulses. And the electrical activity in the brain occurs in the form of brain waves that occur at different amplitudes and frequencies based on the level of activity in your brain. You don't need to remember all that. I'm just giving you this sort of preface so that when I start talking about brain waves, you have kind of an, an idea of what I'm talking about. There are different brain waves that are classified as either gamma, beta, alpha, theta, or delta waves. And I just dig into a couple of those in this episode. So I just wanted to let you know that that was coming up. So I think this is going to be a really powerful episode for a lot of you. I personally in my own life have worked on my own money stories. It's been one of the it's been one of the most intense areas that I've done a lot of personal what I might call reprogramming or rewiring. And it's one of the areas that I've gotten the most liberation from with all of my personal work. So this is not something that I recorded lightly. I have done literally years and years and years of personal work on this. And I've also helped so many other people. The majority of people that do coaching with me or go through any of my workshops do end up making more money by the time we are done, even if we haven't, even if that's not been our focus. But because I work with people at the root of things instead of the superficial level, it has a domino effect. And I really go into that in this episode in terms of why I aim to work with people on the root cause of things. I mentioned my workshop trigger-free in this episode. You can see a link in the show notes to get more information about that. And without further ado, let's just dive right in. Enjoy this episode of Transform. 
Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about why money matters, why it seems to be, why it can be a deeply triggering topic for many, why some people have difficulty getting money, why some people have difficulty keeping money, and how money is not what you think it is. Money tends to be one of the most charged concepts in our life because it is deeply entangled with our sense of survival. Now, of course, for some, it's going to be more entangled with your sense of survival than others. If you grew up extremely, extremely wealthy and there was always an overabundance of money around you, then for you, it's likely not to be entangled with survival because that's not essentially the programming that you grew up with. But I would say for the majority of people, there was some, for lack of a better word, programming around the concept of money that you received while you were growing up. It's impossible not to be inundated with different ideas, beliefs, and concepts around money in the world today. I mean, it's so central to our lives. And so in some way, shape, or form, you received feedback and information about money while you were growing up. Now, where did you receive this from? Largely your parents or your caretakers, but then secondarily also your peers within your schooling system and in society and culture at large, such as on television or on the radio or through advertisements. So between the ages of zero to six or seven of life, the brain waves as children of this age are different. When we think about the brain waves of higher consciousness that adults have, we are often in alpha, beta, and gamma. But the brain waves of children are more predominantly in the theta state. Theta brain waves are the brain waves that we achieve when we are in a hypnotic state or in sleep. So when we're really conscious and we're adults and we have more brain activity, we have more alpha waves. This is like our really alert brainwave state. So let me go through the different brainwave states, different waves that our brain, the electromagnetic signal within our brain, they pulsate at a different frequency. The waves move at a different frequency. And so when we are as adults in really relaxed, intuitive, creative state, we have alpha waves. This is a really conscious state. When we are in peak concentration and cognition, when we're really, really focused, we're in gamma. When we're just awake and active and moving around, potentially even like a little bit nervous, we can be in beta. And then when we're in sleep, deep sleep and recovery, we're in delta. And so then the last one is theta. Theta waves occur when we are a little bit asleep, when we are in the hypnotic state. The interesting thing is the brain waves, as I mentioned, of children is different from the brain waves of adults, specifically a child from the age of zero to six. A child's brain predominantly operates below alpha waves, 
They're more predominantly in the theta wave state. So it's almost like children, when they're very young, they're walking around in a hypnotic state. And what that means is when we are in a hypnotic state, we imprint information more quickly into our subconscious mind. This is why in certain techniques to do subconscious reprogramming for people, the hypnotherapist wants to, if possible, help the individual get into somewhat of a theta state during the hypnosis. Now, you can also kind of be in some other states to do a little bit of subconscious reprogramming, like it can be good to have a little bit of alpha in there. However, beside the point, what I'm getting at is that when we are in a theta state, when you are going to sleep and you're just about to fall asleep, or when you've just woken up, this is called a hypnagogic state. In those hypnagogic states, that's when your brain is very close to theta waves and it's actually very programmable. So if you've ever done hypnosis and you have a recording of hypnosis, the best time to do that recording is right before you go to sleep or right when you wake up, because that is when you have the most access to your subconscious mind. Now, really quick, I know we're going in really deep here. (laughs) You're like, what the fuck? I thought we were talking about money. (laughs) We are talking about money. Uh, But because money is such a deeply rooted issue, I want to get I really what I'm trying to get at here is why it's deeply rooted and what I mean by deeply rooted. Anytime I say anything is deeply rooted, I mean deeply rooted in your nerves. I mean deeply rooted in your beliefs and your constructs of reality. That's the root, right? I'm not interested in working with anybody and just trying to give them band-aids. For instance, if like somebody comes to me and they're like, so-and-so hurt my feelings. Cool. Um, We can maybe touch on why that person hurt your feelings. But here's the thing. There's a root cause of why your feelings got hurt. Meaning there's already a wound within you. There's already a deep-seated belief that what that person said triggered. So for instance, if somebody came up to me and they said, hey, your name is Stacy." I'm going to say, no, it's it's Stephanie. And they're going to say, no, your name is Stacy. And I'm just going to probably laugh and say, okay, I don't know why you think that, but my name is Stephanie. That doesn't trigger me. Why doesn't it trigger me? Because I have a deep-seated belief that my name is Stephanie. And I don't have any fears or past wounding about people calling me Stacy or a different name. Now contrast that with, say somebody comes up to me and they say, you're ugly. Well, let's say in childhood, somebody told me I was ugly, maybe made fun of me on the playground. And ever since then, it's something I've been deeply battling with internally. So then when so-and-so says, hey, I think you're ugly, or, you know, maybe you should do something to be more attractive, it's going to deeply wound me. Now, if I take that to a coach or a therapist, I could say, hey, so-and-so said I was ugly and it hurt my feelings. Now, what most therapists do and coaches that don't know anything about the subconscious is they will say, okay, let's talk about that exact event. And I'll say, well, you know, this is why it hurt me and so-and-so shouldn't have done this. And and then if we stop there, that's surface level. That's actually just treating the situation with a Band-Aid. We're not actually getting to the root. Now, if I had a really good therapist that knows about the subconscious or the unconscious, which therapists that use psychoanalysis or IFS or EMDR are aware of, then this therapist is going to say, now let's go deeper 
and ask, do you believe deep down somewhere that you are ugly? And let's talk about that. And better yet, let's do some subconscious reprogramming so that you don't have to believe that anymore. And that's where something like EMDR or hypnosis or other techniques, for instance, if you used my workshop trigger free, you could actually take that through the workshop trigger free. And guess what you could do? You could get to the root of it and totally reprogram it at the root. By the root, I mean the very first time it happened, which was in childhood, which was potentially when my brain waves were in the theta state, meaning someone may have told me that I was ugly when my brain waves were in a almost a hypnotic state. And that is when our subconscious is essentially more active and our conscious mind is less active, meaning that information that I receive when my subconscious mind is really active and my conscious mind is not active is going to imprint even stronger, because I don't have logical thinking skills yet to combat it. So anything that is told to me from the age of seven or before, and then also from the age of seven to 15, is going to imprint more than if somebody were to tell me something for the first time as an adult. Because as an adult, I have higher brainwave function. I can use my logical brain sort of reason out why something is not true, which is something we don't have access to the younger that we are. So I could take this trauma from childhood, albeit maybe a small trauma, but I could take this incident from childhood of someone calling me ugly, and I could take it through my workshop of Trigger Free, and I could rewire that at its root, meaning that I change the original imprintation to no longer be upsetting. Then somebody comes up to me and they say, you're ugly. And I can laugh and say, I, I know that I'm not ugly. I don't know why you're saying that, but I know that that's not true. That's the difference between being triggered and not being triggered. That's the difference between dealing with problems on the superficial layer versus the root. Okay. It can be helpful to deal with problems on a superficial layer because that can start helping you see patterns, but it's not going to really solve your problems. You're your patterns are going to be solved. Your problems are going to be deeply solved when you start working on a subconscious level. That's why these tools like EMDR, hypnosis, IFS, my trigger-free workshop are so powerful because you can get to the root and that will permanently free you from repeating these patterns. This is important when it comes to money because our patterns or our beliefs and constructs around money were imprinted when we were very young when our brainwaves were in a more of a hypnotic state. So the information that we received about money when we were young got supercharged and got coded into our brains like code is put into software programs. So we are the computer, our brains are the software program and experiences or information that we receive is the code that tells the software program how to run reprogramming the subconscious changes the code. Okay, got that out of the way. Am I right? This is why it's important to look at your childhood. I remember a couple years ago, I had this person reach out to me and they wanted to potentially be a client of mine. I asked them if they had ever done therapy and they said, yeah, I'm in therapy now. And then I asked them, are you doing any work around your childhood? And their response was kind of, Uh, yeah, that's such a waste of time. 
you know, let the past be in the past. I'm only looking at the present. I'm not about that. I'm not about looking at childhood. Um, that's a shame because if you're not looking at your childhood, you're missing everything that was imprinted then. You're missing the root of things. It's kind of like CBT, people that only do CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy is about looking at the thought patterns and seeing the flaw in our own thought patterns. This is an extremely useful and has proven to be beneficial modality of therapy. However, it's my opinion, and I'm not a therapist, okay? But uh, I have a lot of experience personally, and I've worked with a lot of clients who have done therapy in conjunction with working with me. CBT is kind of a superficial treatment modality because it doesn't go to the root of why you have the thought patterns in the first place. So what I find with a lot of people that only do CBT in treatment is that it helps maybe while they're doing it a little bit or while they're in therapy, but then they leave therapy and it doesn't help. It doesn't permanently rewire, right? CBT is, I think, more helpful after you have uncovered what has been imprinted in childhood. So another side tangent, but I think these things are important. And they're important when it comes to money because money issues are deeply subconscious. The subconscious mind is the programming that we run on. It runs 95% of our thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, feelings, and actions. The conscious mind is what you are currently holding in your conscious thinking right now. We can only hold seven different ideas or thoughts in our conscious, or you could call it our working memory at any time. Right now, if you were to try and call to mind every single memory that you've ever had, your brain can't, your conscious mind, your working memory can't call to mind all of them simultaneously, right? And yet they're still stored somewhere. They're stored in your subconscious mind. Now, sometimes it's tricky to access what is in our subconscious mind. And that's where things like working with someone else can come into play because it's difficult for us to see our own patterns and to discover what is in our subconscious mind, or there's different tools that you can use to access your subconscious mind. Now, I say all this to really drive home the point that whatever your baseline or hidden beliefs or constructs are around money are, they started very early not just for you, but for everyone. So when you are thinking about, okay, what's my relationship with money? And it is a relationship. What is my relationship with money? You have to think about, well, what were the stories that I learned about money? What did my caretakers, my parents, display to me through their thoughts, feelings, and actions when it came to money? we tend to either mimic or rebel against our parents' actions. So for instance, I was listening to a podcast about money the other day, and this girl had realized that she was mimicking her mother's behaviors when it came to money. So what 
she saw with her parents is that they were really tight on money. Her dad was really anxious about money, and so was her mom. But the way that her mom responded to the anxiety is anytime that they would have money as a family, her mom would overspend because she would be afraid that more money wouldn't come in anytime soon. So it was almost like she was trying to use it before it went away. This is like a deeply scarce mindset. It's a scarcity mindset versus an abundant mindset. And she didn't realize this, but she had picked up the same pattern. So she was often overspending and she had a difficult time keeping her money. In order to identify your money patterns, you really, really have to take a beat and ask yourself what they are. You have to look at, okay, what is my relationship to money? Do I make money easily? Do I keep money easily? Does the idea of money create anxiety within me? So right now, when I say, how does making money or the thought of money or anything having to do with money make you feel in your body, you can feel the response that your body is giving you at this moment. So does your body feel calm? Does it feel lit up? Does it feel excited? Or does it feel a little bit tense? Do you have a little bit of anxiety? This is your relationship to money. So you can dig deeper. You can ask, well, why do I have anxiety about money? What are my patterns and where are the origins of those patterns? Now, why does it matter? Well, because it's kind of just like with anything in life. If you are living out a pattern that is not in service of you and your expansion and you living a really abundant life and whatever that may mean for you, then it is potentially inhibiting your growth and inhibiting your capacity to thrive. Money is one of those things that we tend to avoid or ignore the most because it is wired in with survival. We can't really survive very well in this world without money, can we? And because of this, it tends to be one of the more triggering things. It's really wired in with our need to survive. It's really wired in, entangled with our nervous system. So sometimes when people think about money, if you're feeling that anxiety, that's your nervous system getting triggered. Why do some people have trouble getting money? If you have trouble making the kind of money that you want, that you desire, that you deserve, it could be for a couple of reasons. Number one, and probably the most likely reason, is that you have some sort of belief blocking you from making money. Let me give you an example. When I was growing up, I heard the messaging a lot that I couldn't make money by being creative, and the best way to make money was to be a doctor. And I heard this over and over and over and over again. This is a very common belief for people in healthcare to have, uh, especially in the field that I came from, which is dentistry. I can't, I can't tell you how many dentists that I've talked to that told me they went into dentistry because they would make a good living. That's not a belief that they just generated out of thin air. Someone told them that initially, that's what got programmed in. Now, is that a lie? No, 
you can make a good living in dentistry. But is that the only way you can make a good living? No. Is that the only way you can make a stable living? No. So my messaging that I really heard growing up was that that was really the only way for me to make good money. And it wasn't safe, wasn't safe for me to pursue a career outside of that because then I wouldn't have money and not having money means lack of safety. And this was something that I knew cognitively, but I would say it was something that I knew even more in my body, meaning that anytime I would think about doing anything else other than dentistry, I felt a deep lack of safety. I felt triggered. I felt unsafe in my body. I had a lot of anxiety. And this was one of the biggest things I had to fight against. And I say fight against because it was really strong within my body when I was attempting to leave dentistry. I was terrified. I was terrified because subconsciously I had a belief that I would never make money. Not only that, I wanted to go into a deeply creative field where, which is the field I'm in now, where I create online workshops, this podcast to make money. How the hell was I going to do that when all of my programming from childhood told me that I would never survive, that I would never make money if I did this thing. In order for me to really move into my new line of working, I had to do a lot of subconscious reprogramming. I had to really dig deep. I had to understand where this programming was coming from. And I had to rewire that program. Because guess what? The concept, the belief, the construct that the only way I could make good money was in dentistry was actually not helping me. It was making me small. It was limiting me. It was inhibiting my growth and expansion. I was miserable in dentistry. Not all the time and not at the beginning, but towards the end, every day I was miserable in dentistry. And yet it wasn't easy for me to leave because I had all of these subconscious beliefs that were stopping me. When I shifted into my new line of work, at the beginning, I struggled a little bit with making money. Why? Because I was still working on reprogramming those beliefs. That's an example of how people have some trouble making money is because they have these beliefs that they can't make money in a certain capacity. There's other beliefs like, I don't deserve to make money. Again, these are not conscious beliefs. If you just sit here and think, yeah, what are the beliefs that are stopping me from making money? It's actually probably going to be really hard for you to name, although I would bet some of you can. Some of you probably can identify, oh yeah, I was told these things in childhood and I think those things are limiting me. But here's another interesting thing. Sometimes making money is just a skill and we haven't learned the skill sets required. I think 99% of the time, What's blocking people from making money is a belief. But then there are these other cases where maybe you don't actually have beliefs that are blocking you. It's just a lack of knowledge. And sometimes when you acquire the skills, it can help you start working through the beliefs. But usually it's the beliefs, the hidden subconscious beliefs that are blocking you. Now, what about people that have trouble keeping money? They make money, but then they can't seem to keep it. Same thing. This is a belief. A lot of times this was modeled to them. So I remember reading this book by Ashley Stahl, 
And she is somebody that left her career and built a new career. And she had modeled to her by her father this concept of kind of always losing money. She saw her dad make money really easily all the time, but then he could never hold on to it. And she started repeating that pattern. So she had all this self-belief and faith in herself to be able to make money quickly, and, and therefore she did. But then somehow she kept losing the money. When I say somehow, what's happening is that our subconscious beliefs construct our reality. Our subconscious beliefs construct our reality. Our perspectives shape our reality. That's another way of saying it. Our perspectives shape our reality. For instance, if I have a belief that no one wants to be friends with me, and that's a deep down hidden belief, then I'm going to go look for evidence that proves my belief. Meaning, and of course, again, this is subconscious, but I will go around and kind of self-sabotage anyone being friends with me without realizing that's what I'm doing. Maybe I will attract the kind of people that I know will eventually leave me or the kind of people that I know aren't a good fit for me because that is then proof of my belief. Same thing happens with money. If you have the story of, yeah, I can't seem to keep money. This is because subconsciously you're being driven. 95% of our actions, beliefs, thoughts, feelings are driven by the subconscious. 95% of our actions are driven by the subconscious. Subconscious, we don't know that we're being driven by them. So if I have a belief deep down that I can't keep money, that money isn't easy to keep, then somehow I'm going to take an action or attract in a certain experience that is going to cause me to lose my money. One that I've said on this podcast several times, a belief that you then create in reality is it's really hard to make money. And if I want to make more money, then that means I have to work harder. That's the only way to make more money is to work harder. If that's my belief, then I'm going to go look for proof of that belief. And I'm not going to look for proof of the contrary. I'm not going to go look for easy ways to make money because I don't believe that is even possible. So I will not see them. The reason people have trouble making money or keeping money is because they have a belief that is perpetuating that narrative for them. In these cases, the way to change that patterning is to change the subconscious beliefs. Identify where the beliefs originally came from and rewire them. How do you do this? One way that you could try and, and do it on your own is you could start actively looking for evidence to the contrary. So if your belief is, I can't make money, you can consciously say, hold on, I want to believe that I can make money. So I'm going to start trying and I'm going to look for evidence that I can. That is one way. That is the longer way, but it can work with time. The faster way is to do subconscious work to rewire that belief. You can do that with hypnotherapy. You can do that with EMDR. You can do that with NLP. You can do that with my workshop, Trigger Free. Most people are going to have a deep, deep resistance 
to looking at their money story because it's wired in with your nervous system. So anytime you think about it, it could be triggering. But what ends up happening then is you keep avoiding it and the same story keeps playing out again and again and again. Money is not what you think it is. This is my last kind of point that I want to touch on because here's the interesting thing. You have a relationship with money and for most people, money feels like this big daunting thing. Why does it feel like a daunting big thing? Because you have a relationship with it and that is your frame of it. That's your perspective. And sometimes it feels very adversarial. It's like you're working against the money because it's creating anxiety. And so you have this triggered resistance to money. But money is just a thing. You are giving it the charge. You are giving it that negative charge. That's a story. We can actually have a very sort of neutral or even abundant relationship with money where we're not clinging. We're not, we don't have an anxiety around it. And it's kind of flowing in and out of our bank account. We're giving, we're receiving. It's this ebb and flow of money. And we have an abundant mindset, meaning we trust that enough will always be there for us. There's an ease. There's a flow to the whole thing. And when we can have that sort of relationship with money, it doesn't have this negative, doesn't carry a negative charge. We just look at it as an energy. Okay, I'm going to take some of this energy in and now I'm going to give some of this energy. I'm going to put some of this energy out. This is just a simple exchange of energy. I'm providing a service and someone is giving me energy in the form of this currency. This is just an energetic exchange. And I know that there will always be enough of this here for me. The reason I say this is because that's ultimately the healthiest relationship that you can have with money is when you aren't viewing it as this big daunting thing that you've given a personality to and characteristics to. Money can just be an energy. It's like a neutral energy that you have a pleasant relationship with as it's coming and going. If you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not at all what money feels like to me. That indicates that you have a money story that could use some deconstructing. Now, I have a episode called Attract With You What You Want With Flow and Ease. If you haven't listened to that episode, I think it's a nice adjunct to this episode. But essentially what I talk about in that episode is that things come to us more easily when we are in flow and ease. If you go to someone that's selling something and one person is super anxious about money and not having enough and they're fearful and they're in a scarcity mindset, then you go to somebody else and they're totally chill and just talking to you normally and there's an ease to them, which one are you more likely to buy from? I want to touch on privilege and the fact that some people are at an extreme cultural societal disadvantage because maybe they grew up in poverty or grew up not privileged and they feel like the system is working against them. 100% that is true in many cases. But does that mean you're trapped in that forever? No, I don't think that it does. In nine out of 10 cases, 
There are ways for you to still break through. There are ways for you to still feel and find abundance to potentially work the system to your advantage or to find ways to still reprogram the things that have happened to you, your experiences, your subconscious beliefs. Could it be harder for you because you've been at a severe disadvantage? Yes, it may be harder, but it is not impossible. You are not stuck there forever. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. I grew up with privilege in several different ways, privilege in a lot of different ways. And yet I grew up with so much programming because my parents were first generation wealthy. They both grew up very, very poor. And so I heard and felt a lot of anxiety around money from my parents because they didn't come from wealth. Not only that, with epigenetics, we inherit stories from our parents, from our grandparents, from our ancestors. With epigenetics, we now know that certain experiences do get wired into our nerves, into our genes, and is passed down the line genetically. So I grew up with money fears from the moment I was born. Before I even heard any stories from my parents, I had money fears because it was in my genes. So money is something that I had to deeply deconstruct and look at and heal within my body, my nervous system, my nerves, my memories, everything, because it was really, really, really wired in. So whether you come from privilege or not, you could still have money stories. So I bring this up because, you know, the holidays are coming and there's been a lot happening in the world in the last couple of years. Am I right? And I think many of us have had our money stories triggered. We have had our scarcity perpetuated. We live in fear. But the thing is, is when you live in fear with a scarcity mindset, only perpetuates that story. So if you want to change your life, if you want to change your relationship with with money, if you want to make more money, and by the way, I just want to throw this in. There are people out there that it's almost like a sense of pride to not make money where maybe you talk about, oh yeah, you know, I'm not one of those people. I don't care about money, but it's like said in a defensive way or, oh, you know, yeah, so-and-so can afford this, but I can't afford this. I'm always broke. That's a story too, you know, because there are wealthy people that do good things that are amazing. There's nothing evil about money because money is neutral. If you think money is evil, and I don't really like that word evil, but whatever. If you think money is bad, that's because you are attaching the story of money to a person that you've heard about or known. In general, people say that money just makes people more of who they are. So if you know a shitty person that has a lot of money, that's not, not, that's not the money. That's the person, honey. We have so many hidden stories about money. It's insane. I mean, when you understand how the subconscious works and how people will just spout out these phrases and everything, when it comes to things like money, And then you know, oh, (laughs) that's indicating a belief. You start seeing beliefs everywhere. Whenever anyone talks 
about money at all, you can see right into their subconscious mind as to what their belief is based on what they're saying about money. So is your money story supporting you? Is it helping you expand? Could you use some work around your concept of money? Would you like to make more money? Would you like to keep the money that you're making? Fastest way to get there, identify your money story and do some subconscious reprogramming. Money is a really complex issue. (sighs) Very complex. So if you have any questions about money or difficulty identifying your subconscious beliefs around money, feel free to reach out to me. On Instagram, my handle is at Stephanie Zeller Speaks. If you feel like you have a friend or a loved one that maybe popped into your mind while you were listening to this episode, then forward this episode along to them. Maybe it'll liberate them. Maybe it'll give them a different perspective, like it's hopefully given you. If you would like access to my workshop Trigger Free to help you start deconstructing some of your triggers and beliefs around money, then you can see a link to sign up for a pre-sale waitlist in the show notes. This was very, very briefly for sale. And then I pulled it because I was substantially upgrading it. And I imagine it will be available again soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was illuminating. And until next time, be well, my friends.